I see you, which is the Navi greeting for hello. No. I see you, Chris Bevelo. I see you, Adam Meyer. <laughs> That's our welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of January 18, 2010, and our ongoing effort to come up with a different way to introduce and say hello every podcast. That was a stretch. <laughs> and I'm Chris Bevelo. I like that one. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, and I'm with, well, we heard Adam. Adam Meyer, design ja- director. And Jackie Ritackle. So, uh, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're all stumbling over each other. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Well, we, you know, we have this really long agenda, but we decided to start with Navi because we got into a, <laughs> we got into a really heated, not an <clears throat> argument, but just very passionate discussion of movies. Starting with Avatar and Is It Racist? We won't go down that path. <laughs> but let's just talk about the movie experience because I saw Avatar and I saw Up in the Air and both were uh, great movies, but were also had their moments where they were ruined or interrupted by moronic people in the theaters. And it just, it just reinforces my concept of I can't bear to go to movie theaters. And if they don't figure this out, they're going to be losing audiences. That's my take. Right. So the, the one example I gave was an avatar. I went with my son, who's 11, and his friend, who's 10. Theater's packed. It's the love scene at the end. If you haven't seen the movie, maybe this is a spoiler, but it shouldn't be, where the blue alien Navi is holding her love interest, who's a human. And it's the first time they've seen each other that way. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's, it's, if you're in the movie and you're caught up in it, it's a pretty powerful scene. Uh, but if you take a step back, it's a little silly when you see this alien <clears throat> creature holding a human and they're professing their love. The teenagers <laughs> next to me couldn't handle it. And all started laughing hysterically, making comments out loud. The rest of the theater was fine, including my son, who's 11. But the teenagers couldn't bear it. So ruined the moment. Right. Which I've had happen before in the past. And then you get the, which happened in Up in the Air, the take a text or send a text in the middle of a movie, which I think we were discussing. Do people know how disruptive that is? I think they think it's okay because it's silent, but somebody opens a phone in a theater and it could be like 40 <laughs> degrees to your left, eight rows down. And you see it. And you right. see it and you're like instantly, Bruh! you're like your head turns. You can't help but look at it because it's this laser right. beam in your eye. Right. And it takes what is you with people and it, and it can totally just take you out of the moment. Yes. In a movie. It's so distracting, yeah. Yeah, I think I had that happen in... Well, I've had that happen, I mean, in a number of movies. Um, you know, I, but there's... Avatar is a great example of a movie where... I don't know, there's a lot of a lot of digitally animated movies or have CGI where at some point during the movie, I, I realize that I'm watching CGI. Right. I'm like, okay, hold on a second, this isn't real. The, what I loved about <laughs> Avatar was that I never... It's such a it's such a realized world that he creates, and the animation is mm-hmm. so believable. But I never was real. I never caught found myself stopping and thinking that it was just like kind of all the way to the end. It was like wow, that felt like I was watching something that was real all the way through. But there have been other movies where you just kind of stop and realize. But my point is that I hate that people people right. making those distractions because it's just in a movie where you didn't where the movie itself didn't right. take you out of that. That takes you out they of it. They take You're you like, out of it. Son of a, <laughs> you just ruined it. Yeah, thank you for for ruining that. I sound like an old it man, is. right? I mean, I am an old man compared to teenagers, <laughs> but it's the typical, you know, be quiet. You know, they're chattering the whole time. 
there are some theaters now that have started 18 and over. I don't know if that's young enough oh, or really? old enough. I don't even yeah. know because some of the jerks be who awesome. ruin it are, You're right. are adults. Right. But there's that, there's that whole phenomenon of younger people that can't deal with romance or can't deal with scary moments <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. So another thing that drives me crazy, and I have kids, is when you're watching a scary movie, mm-hmm. and even if kids are involved, um, Jurassic Park, great example. When I went and saw that back in the day, people took their kids to it, and there are some scary moments. Right. And kids deal with that a lot of times by laughing. Right. And it's another example of where it disrupts the experience because it's not a funny <laughs> scene, but they don't know how to right. deal with it, so they laugh at it. And you're like, go. Yeah, you're right. I'm watching fake dinosaurs, and it's not fun anymore. <laughs> I think my favorite example, and I kind of look back at it and laugh now, is a, is a Harry Potter movie. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And there oh, was a um, there was a person in the theater who I, I'm guessing was was hand, was mentally handicapped, but it, also obviously a huge Harry Potter fan and had read the books and knew exactly what was going to happen. And kept on calling out like really loud what was about to happen. It was like, oh, and now this or something. And it was like, son, shut up. You know, and it's like you can't, if it was like some regular, some person who didn't have any kind of mental issue, you couldn't, you know, you'd say, shut up, you know, and it's somebody who obviously that's a part of their life. You feel bad. So at the time I was annoyed. Now I can look back and chuckle a little bit, but. Right. Okay. We probably should. Move on. That's, I mean, we could spend the whole podcast talking about this strategies Seriously. for avoiding it. Like I sit in the back row every single time. Don't go because as soon as you don't, you get somebody who sits right behind you, who kicks your chair, who talks loud, who takes the the licorice wrapper constantly through a two hour movie. And it's <laughs> <laughs> right, Chris. You maybe you shouldn't go to movies. I know. I don't. That's why I got TV. Well, at home you're right. Now. The theaters are gonna as as yeah. as as HD grows in popularity and as ginormous flat screen TVs drop in price. People are going to have less and less reason to go to the yep. movie theater. I have less. And as movie theater ticket prices continue to skyrocket, right? $30 to go see Avatar for, for, my, two, for people? two people. That's insane. It was like 34 with really? the processing fee. Yeah. Cause you have yeah. to order oh, yeah, ahead. That's right. Yeah. I ordered tickets too online. Well, see, for that's another IMAX. strategy you've got to employ is never ever go to a, a, any movie, let alone a blockbuster in the first couple of weeks, because you're going to get packed theaters, and the odds of these things happening go up. Mm-hmm. You wait a month, and especially if you go off hours, you might be the only one in the theater, or maybe there's like half dozen people. Yeah. And then your odds of you know the See, idiot great, yeah. text phone thing and the chatting and all that. See, I've learned these over the years. These are strategies you can employ. Yeah. The, the only problem <laughs> is that with, with movies like Avatar, if you want to see it in like IMAX 3D, you're going to have to go fairly early because it's yeah. just not going to be there anymore at that point. That's Some a other... whole other riff, 3D. Let's not go there either. <laughs> the whole experience. It worked well for Avatar. but Yeah, I actually, and we, we can move on, but I had I was talking to an uncle of mine uh, last week about the movie, and he is blind in one eye. And oh. he had commented on how he can't enjoy anything in 3D because it – Obviously, it doesn't work. Requires both of your eyes to be able to yeah. pull the picture together and see the effect. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So he'll save himself some money, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, he can see it in the standard version, but right. we'll just wait until it's on. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a really big, deep thing to discuss <laughs> here, which is economic crisis and consumerism and the impact on hospitals and health systems. 
Before we get there, though, one of the one of the articles we're going to quote is from the Star Tribune, and I have to chide them. I've chided them in the past, by the way. I've actually written in, and I never write in to complain about anything on <laughs> any format. But they used to have these on their website. They'd have these um, wallpaper wallpaper ads. <clears throat> well, yeah, so it'd be like Denny Hacker Auto, and it would anywhere there wasn't content, you would see this, and they had no margins. It would go right up to the text. And I said, this is so distracting. Can't you at least build in some margins? Oh, no, this is very common. You know, all the other websites are doing well, it. But they don't. Right. And I assume it's because they got so many complaints. Well, and the problem, the biggest problem in my eyes with their approach to wallpaper advertising, and when we say wallpaper advertising, we're talking about everything that should be behind the content, like the whole page outside of the outside of the website right. being right. filled with something. Right. And in their case, it was like... Hmm. A small image that just repeated. Yes. Now there, there is. I, that's annoying as hell. That's so bad. I mean, if you're going to do wallpaper advertising, there are great examples of sites that kind of pull it off well. Um, one of the first ones that comes to mind is Gamespot.com. You go there, and you're going to see an image that is like one big image that was obviously designed to be a wallpaper background for that for the website, but it's an ad for like a game or something. It's not one little image that repeats. And it makes just, your eyes hurt. Right. This feels <laughs> like it's something that feels like it's a part of the site. It's something that feels like it belongs. And it's so much so that you see it, you take it in, you don't miss it because you can't. But it doesn't make you, it doesn't pull you out of the experience of the content. Whereas Star Tribunes was just horrible. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> you go there to read the news and you can't even look at the news because you can't discern what's news from... The wallpaper yeah, advertising. Yeah, right up against it. It hurts your eyes to read. Every time you go back over to start a column, there'd be like Denny Hecker six <laughs> trillion times or whoever it was. I don't mean to pick on Denny Hecker. He's got enough problems. Well, go ahead. <laughs> if you know this market. Um, but so here's another example of something that this is the first time I've experienced this. Maybe it's happened before, but it's the first time I noticed it. So there's an article that we're going to quote, and I wanted to print it out so we'd have it in front of us. And if you go to just print from your browser, it's like the article's maybe two pages online. It's like 10 pages, and the first eight is a bunch of crap. And I'm like, wow, they don't have a format of that very well. So I, you know, I'll just hit their print button. So I hit their print button, and what comes out is it's four pages. The, <clears throat> the content is in nice, neat little boxes. The font size is about 24. <laughs> so in other words, they've taken the content, and, and, it, and the content fills about maybe two-thirds of the printed page. Yeah. It's extended the length of the content. So instead of being able to print it out in maybe one and a half pages, it mm -hmm. takes four pages. Well, why would they want to do that? Because on the bottom is an ad for Pro Flowers. This repeated now across four pages. Right. And below that, I noticed print powered by Format Dynamics. So somebody's come up with the concept of this is a way to, to make money. And I understand that they got to find ways to make money. I do. I really do. But anytime that money makes it more inconvenient. So it's more inconvenient to print out four <laughs> than the two. Um, I should be able to print it right from my browser if you're doing web standards. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's killing trees, Wasteful, which yeah. newspapers are well, if, have a little problem with to start. If your but... method of making money <laughs> compromises your product, yes. what are you doing? <laughs> if it's a detriment to the service you provide or the product you're offering something is wrong and you can't see that something. Well, they're just desperate. Wrong. They need money. So, and, and you know, 
I subscribe to the Star Tribune, so and I wouldn't mind paying for the Star Tribune because I get a lot of information for it. So charge me a nickel. You know, I know they're looking at ways that if I wanted to look at the article, uh, see anything more in a preview, print it out for it, it would cost me a nickel. I'd pay that if there was a convenient, you know, if I had an account with them, uh, like I do with iTunes, for example. Uh, I don't think twice about downloading a song because I know it's automatic. I don't care about the two bucks or whatever it costs, the one buck. What is it now? Dollar twenty nine. Yeah, it varies. It varies. All right. Anyway, we're, we've spent half the podcast complaining. complaining. Yeah. yeah. Now we're going to talk about the entire economic situation of healthcare and how it relates to marketing. All right. Now we're going to talk this? about puppies and flowers. I'm going to try to go through this. The ten minute economic synopsis. What's that? We already covered flowers. We're okay. Well, we we'll flowers. talk about puppies. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. I wanted to build on. Uh, we posted on our blog last week, kind of a recap of 2009 talking about our most popular blog posts. And the number one most viewed blog post we have was called The Economic Crisis, Tipping Point for Healthcare Consumer Behavior. And it basically looked at what long-term impact could this great recession, is what they're calling it now, have on consumer utilization of healthcare. Some of the main points were uh, the size, the the permanent drop in utilization, especially of elective care. People are going to be more particular about what care they get, and whether they really need it. More price shopping, uh, other value drivers will increase, such as quality, experience, convenience. People are going to be more particular, and there's going to be more intense competition, which I think we've seen all of those things to mm-hmm. some degree. Uh, so I kind of want to look at like a year later, where are we? And and I think one thing that's interesting is we certainly are not in the desperate times we were when this was written, when depression was a word thrown around. Um, I think we've avoided that cataclysmic event but we're in a serious recession unemployment's still historically high uh, so it's not it remains to be seen what's going to happen and we're getting mixed signals uh for example there was an article the article that i mentioned in the star tribune <laughs> called twin cities hospitals staunching flow of red ink talking about how for the first three quarters of 2009 uh 22 metro area hospitals that were surveyed saw a $327 million net income combined. I mean, all of them combined. So positive. If, you, if they were for profit, that'd be considered profit compared to the same period in 08 where they had a $42 million loss. Uh, we're seeing on our you know micro level an increase in marketing activity. And this is just this market, but I think it holds up. Lots more RFPs, all kinds of things like that. Uh, the article also says that hospital emissions actually went up 8% uh, in the same period. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing some signs that hospitals are coming out of it. But this is where it's crossroads, and I don't think it's it's over yet. I've had two senior marketing executives at large systems across the country make the exact same comment to me, which was, we've seen an increase in volumes, but a decrease in revenue which is utterly tied to reimbursement. It's tied Mm -hmm. to the fact that people are going in there without insurance or with their own insurance and they're having bad debt and they can't collect from individuals. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, All of that. An article in Time, and we'll post all this for you, which I think is really frightening, is looking at healthcare reform, which I know makes Jackie's hair... (laughs) Can your hair crawl? Your skin crawls. It makes my hair bleed. It makes your hair bleed and your skin (laughs) crawl. Um... But basically, the essence of this article is saying healthcare reform is mainly about expanding access by covering more people. Uh, so, for example, 
Of the 31, this is what it says, of the 31 million uninsured people who would gain coverage under a revamped health system, half would do it through an expansion of Medicaid. And we all know that Medicaid is one of the lowest payers to hospitals and health systems, which means hospitals and health systems are going to continue to see an increase in volume, but of people that they don't make money on. They can't even cover the cost of caring for them based on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're going to see that. You're going to see cuts in Medicare reimbursement. So I talked to another senior executive yesterday who said, I don't know where this is going to come from. I mean, basically, we're expanding the number of people that are entering the system, uh, but we're lowering the primary source of revenue, which is government-based reimbursement. Uh, and his thought was, we're going to have to continue to cut. We have to continue to cut programs, offerings, departments, which should scare the bejesus out of healthcare marketers, right? Yeah. Because as we know, unless you can demonstrate your value to the organization, you're going to be one of the first to go. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird, it's hard to read the symbols. We did it. We got all the way through that massive... Synopsis <laughs> in five minutes. That's good. Yeah, but what do we think? I don't. It's tough. I mean, healthcare. The proposed healthcare reform. I mean, if if we want to go down that road, in my eyes, is kind of a. It seems like it's going in a poor direction or the wrong direction. I think the system itself needs to see a serious overhaul. And it's kind of like that has been pushed to the side in with giving more people. I think more people could be given access if the system could be reined in. And instead, it's like you're going to leave this system that's kind of spiraled out of control. You're just going to let it keep spiraling, and you're going to try to cram more people into it somehow with money that doesn't exist anyway yes. with the size of our debt. Mm-hmm. It just seems like such a horrid solution to a serious problem and it's, it's not, not a, a solution to a serious problem it's a solution to a problem but not the problem you're talking about right and it may make the problem you're talking about it will make it worse i think it'll make it worse yeah well, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out yeah. over the next year or two to see it, if people realize, or to, just to see what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I, there's, a, there's an analogy that I've used before, and I don't know if it's just fair to blame this on the government, but I think the government does <clears> this a lot. It institutes some kind of change, and when that change doesn't work, it just does more of it, right. thinking that's a solution. And the example I always use is 35W, right up the gut of the Twin Cities. They put in a <laughs> carpool lane, and their idea was, hey, we need to encourage people to carpool, blah, blah, blah. For all the right reasons... But they were seeing, you know, utilization of like one car every 20 minutes and 10 cars that weren't, they were cheaters, right? right? So basically it's not being used. It's not helping all of those things. And their solution was, well, the problem is it only goes halfway into downtown. So if you know the Twin Cities, it goes about eight miles from where I live, way out in the southern suburbs, to the inner ring. And then the carpool lane went away. So the solution was, let's extend the carpool lane into downtown. And their thought was, well, that'll make it more appealing. Well, wouldn't it also make it more appealing for the folks who cheat? And isn't part of the problem that people, it's not 1955, and people can't do the 9 to 5 carpool deal like they used to be able to. Mm -hmm. So your solution to this problem is to just do more of it. If we just add to it, it'll solve it. 
And I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but it sure smells like that. It sounds like that. It tastes like <laughs> that. tastes like that. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's all good intentioned. And certainly you want to yeah. cover the people who aren't covered. But, you know, a lot of people will tell you they're covered anyway. I mean, they get care. They're not turned away. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it's a quandary. I, if, it's, if it's what you see in here, I mean, here's another example. The Medicare tab, right, is going to be huge. And a lot of that's covered by states, right? Yeah. So in Tennessee, they've calculated that when this goes through, it's going to add an additional $735 million um, to their state costs over five years. Uh, California, which is, you know, almost a California. third world debtor nation right now, <laughs> has a $21 billion budget deficit. And they've calculated that this change will add another $3 billion a year to their burden. Dang. The other thing that's screwed up about it is states like Minnesota that have been proactive, like with Minnesota Care, trying to create their own programs. If we did the right thing up till now, basically we're not getting more money because we've already been doing it. So it's all the states that have taken the crappy road, like Texas, that are so far behind they're going to get all the money to get caught up. So it's basically penalizing the people that have been doing the right thing all along. Yeah. It makes you want to makes your skin crawl and your hair bleed. <laughs> but how does this all affect healthcare marketers? I just think, I don't know. I look back to that original article, and I think that, that, that a lot of those factors are yeah. still in play. And while we're seeing kind of an increase in marketing activity, I don't know that that's a permanent mm -hmm. deal. I don't right. know. Right. Well, I think you nailed it before in, in, in proving, proving your value to the organization. Because if, if man, if you, if you can't do that or you're not already doing that and showing that, you know, it's pretty, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see who's next going to be on the chopping block once the axe starts swinging. Right. And if they start, if they start chopping programs, they're going to use that filter to chop programs. And they're going to look at different surgical offerings and say, okay, you know, we offer this, we offer bariatric surgery. Does it make us money? Right. If it doesn't, it's gone. Mm -hmm. But you can demonstrate very easily whether it does or doesn't. Right. Uh, it's harder to do in marketing, but you're going to be held to the same standard. And if you can't tie it back to how you bring in money and that you're not just an expense, I think marketers are going to be under the gun for quite some time. Right. Maybe they've always been under the gun, so maybe this is nothing new. They certainly have to some degree, but you just wonder if this reform is going to add well, a whole new burden on right, hospitals and health systems. Right. That, and there's also the potential that, health, that health, face of healthcare marketing could change dramatically in terms of regulations that are placed on right. it. Um, you know, whether we talked about um, drug advertising. And how, you know, the disclaimer is at the end of those. And what if that's brought into health, you know, right. typical healthcare marketing? Yep. Um, you know, it really could be a, a changing landscape here very soon. Mm -hmm. Woo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> we all ready for that? Happy and exciting. Well, it could be exciting. Could be. Could be. Change is exciting. Depends on how you like change. Or what it is, yeah. I like it as... Paper wads in my pocket instead of change. Oh, that's the wrong Those kind of change. Those are bills. Oh, yeah. 
Nice. Well, I don't know. Get if we, it straight. <laughs> there's so much you could dig into there, and we don't have time to do it now. But uh, I just think it's worthwhile keeping an eye on all of this stuff and trying to look at some of the macro trends and how they're mm-hmm. going to filter down to those of us in healthcare marketing because I think they do impact us. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep an eye on it, and we invite listeners to weigh in with their own experiences. And, of course, we always refer to the Twin Cities market. Uh, markets are yeah. different. So we'd yeah. love to hear from people in other markets as to what's going on there and whether it's worse or better and mm-hmm. uh, that type of thing. Right on. Okay. Have we exhausted our... We're getting there. We're pretty close. No, I, I don't I don't care about the time. I mean, oh. our ability to contribute... <laughs> our anything. audience? Our ability to contribute anything worthwhile to this podcast. <laughs> I think we should wrap it up there. That's good. What's there something happy we can talk about? <sighs> up in the Air was a great movie. Fantastic movie. Who's in that? George, George Clooney. Clooney. It's Which funny. Is reason it's enough touching. To see it. It's deep. Is he typical he George Clooney or is he? Uh... He's pretty typical George Clooney. Yeah, yeah he is. So if you well, like I George like Clooney, I like, I like him. him. He's a good looking guy. Good actor. But go see it on an off time when there's not little squirts in the theater who are opening their cell that phones. That is a movie that you could definitely wait till it came out because you're not missing much That's very by true. watching it at home. Avatar, though, you want to see that in a big theater because it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So right. another strategy for you. If you can wait, wait. Sit in the back <laughs> row. Wait a few months if you have to see it in the theater. And if you don't, if it's up in the air, if it's a documentary, wait till it comes out and watch it at home in the comfort of your own. And then just make sure you're not looking at your text messages in the middle of it. <laughs> right? Yes. Or do that if you want a more authentic experience. <laughs> Spread yeah, some really. popcorn and, and it's true to life. soda jizz on the floor. <laughs> step in that. <laughs> Open up the text in the middle. That set sounds up, pleasant. <laughs> set up your computer to like spark out random comments. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Screams. Hi, this is Bob. No, I'm watching a movie right now. <laughs> no, no. Why don't you wait on that? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, the movie's really good. No, no, Barb's here with me. No, you want to talk to her? Yeah, okay. Hello? <laughs> Barb? All right. For Healthcare Marketing Insights, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Jackie Rotaco. I see you. I will see you next time. <laughs> Bye.